Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. So you're out in Chicago. Yes. And I am here in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I never see you. Are you going to come visit sometime soon? I'll be there in, well, just a few weeks as we're recording this, although usually there's a week or two lag between when nice. we record and when we release. But anyway, yes, I'll be out there at the beginning of November for just a data science me, conference. Right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How long has it been since we've actually been in the same room? I feel like it's been more than a year, maybe I think it's been over a year, yeah. Jeez. Did anyway, we, I think we see recorded one. Yeah, it, it will be. Um, Have you changed your hair or anything? Well, I mean, you know, hair grows and then you cut it. And I don't know where I was in that cycle last time i saw you so probably it'll be at a different length but mm-hmm. awesome so you're coming for a data science conference and i'm about, I'm gonna ask you what you'll be doing there but first i'll say you're listening to linear digressions so what are you doing in california at uh at uh, what, what's the conference called again uh it's called the open data science conference uh, this is one I went to a couple years ago. I didn't manage to make it out there last year, but I'm really excited to be back. In general, I really like going to data science conferences and just learning about some of the stuff that folks are thinking about, what people are hacking on, thinking on, uh, what folks are cooking up these days. So it's it's a nice way to take a quick pulse of the problems that people are thinking about. And probably some of the solutions, too. And hopefully some of the solutions, yeah. And you get to figure out, like, right, that's a good point. Not just what are all the problems, but <laughs> what are some of the advances that people have made. Um, and then a little bit more self-centeredly, uh, I'll be giving a talk there, which I'm really excited about. And I've been writing it in my copious spare time over the last few weeks. And so wanted to talk a little bit about some of the stuff I've been thinking about while, while I've been writing this talk. Nice. So uh, what's your talk going to be about? Right. So the talk, it's actually not a talk proper. It's a workshop. So the goal is to have it be a little more educational. Um, And it's a lot longer than a typical talk. It's a four-hour workshop. So uh, it's a lot of material to come up with. Um, But one of the things that they try to do at this conference anyway is make it very uh, welcoming to people who are new to data science or they're trying to get into the field a little bit. So in that vein, there's a number of workshops around getting started with data science. So I'm giving one about, I think the title is Data Science 101, but it's kind of up to me to interpret that how I want. Um, and then I'm going to give a quick plug for uh, a colleague of mine, uh, Skipper, who's giving a talk right before mine, if you happen to be out there, I think his is about uh, using Python for data science. So what are some of the features of Python that make it a nice language for getting started with data science? That's really cool. Do you do you find that you are drawn towards educational opportunities? I mean, I, I feel kind of silly asking you this question, given that we met at Udacity, an education startup, and we do an educational podcast on data science. But is it just coincidence? Or do you find yourself typically drawn to those opportunities? Um, that's a good question. I would have to say, I'm, if I'm being totally honest, I'm probably drawn to them because I do them a lot. Mm. <laughs> or maybe I'm just a sucker for teaching and I'm on a on a list somewhere of people who say yes when they get invited <laughs> to do this stuff. Uh, yeah, but I generally find it pretty fun and rewarding. And it's a field where a lot of the stuff that I've learned, I've learned because people before me were 
generous with their time and mm. resources and and skill and made nice open ways that I could learn and mm. so you know paying that paying that forward a little bit nice you should um we should make linear digressions business cards or something and... dude I had an I, I I have an idea for this but I'm also way oversubscribed, so nobody listen to this and think that it's right about to happen because I always <laughs> want it to be right about to happen, and then like yeah. life gets in the way. But no, I got an idea. Uh, so sometime in the next several years, we will be all over the merch. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, we'll, we'll we gotta get, get a. Do we have a logo change. even? Like, <laughs> no, we don't. Maybe I've, maybe we I've looked into this. Out. They're it's they're kind of expensive unless you like know somebody. But that's what I'm trying to. That's the angle I'm trying to work. Oh, here. got anyway, it. Got it. Yeah. Anyway, writing talks about data science. So, uh, data science 101. What does that mean? I have no idea. But the way that I've interpreted it, um, I gave a talk at this same conference a couple of years ago. It was a similarly a, a workshop, and it was kind of about. Uh, getting started building an end-to-end data science pipeline in scikit-learn. So going through a few algorithms, like classification algorithms, taking a data set from, uh, there's a website called drivendata.org. It's kind of similar to Kaggle, but with uh, sort of a social mission. And they've got a nice data set there where you're trying to classify uh, wells in Africa, like water wells and whether they're functional or not functional based on the attributes of the well. And so using that data set to build sort of a simple end-to-end machine learning pipeline. And so I'm using a lot of that content as the first part of my talk again, because I think it's a good intro to some of the big, important moving pieces of building a data science workflow. So things like cross-validation, like feature selection, like trying a couple of different algorithms, and then printing the results of the different choices that you make and trying to figure out which model is the best. But instead of just getting to the end of the pipeline and saying, okay, we solved the problem, like time to go home. What I'm going to do in the back half of the talk, and this is what I spent my time working on for the last few weeks, is try to take that prototype of a pipeline and turn it into something that is much more maintainable and much more usable uh, in the scenario where, for example, let's imagine you're a person who's actually working at a non-governmental organization that's building models of well failures in Africa. Mm-hmm. And let's suppose that there's a team out in the field and they're sending you back data once a month. And so you need to take that data and incorporate it into your model and have your model update and know what the results of that update will be and do some data inspection and data cleaning in case there's any problems in the data they're sending back. And so it's moving away from, we just did this, you know, one and done type one off. Par- mm-hmm. paradigm, yeah, into something that is much more robust and reliable and can be updated with hopefully minimal drama and be something that is continuing to to deliver predictions instead of just doing it once. Yeah. Yeah, building software that's uh, extensible and sustainable and, and I don't know, I used a lot of adjectives there, but uh, basically building software that's not one-off is kind of a hard thing to learn, come to think about it. Um, The way that I learned it was by building a lot of software and running into all of the problems. Uh, 
because the problems that you run into are not necessarily intuitive if you are just learning. Totally. Yeah. They're things that you, you really never think about when you're just building it you know, from beginning to end to go one time. And so that's sort of the point of the talk is once you have one of those prototypes, going through the exercise of trying to break it into well-defined pieces, uh, write up those pieces, define what are some good conventions for handling some of the, some of the things that are tricky to do repeatedly. And then what are some of the things that are trickier maybe than, than you would be led to believe so one of the things I've spent some time thinking about is it's pretty common in machine learning models, for example, to have a training set and a testing set when you, you train on your training set and then you use your testing set to understand the predictions that your model is making and how those compare to the, the real answers. Right. And so if you have something like you have multiple builds of the same model where you're changing around, let's say... The first time you build the model, you use a thousand training examples. And then the second time you build the model, you've gotten a new shipment of data. And so instead of just a thousand, you have 2000. So a thousand from before and then a thousand from from your new shipment. And then the third time you build the model, it's got 3000 cases in it, right? And so you're building Mm -hmm. out your training set like this. How do you want to handle the testing set? In that case, do you want to have the same data that you're repeatedly using uh, mm. to test each of those models? Do you want to be doing a cross-validation oh, thing? That's um, interesting. Yeah, what are the kinds of, depending on you know, the decisions you make about how you split your data into different pieces. Because you might not want your testing set to change over time. Exactly. But if it doesn't change over time, then you're using maybe the oldest data that you have. Yeah, yeah. So you know, everything that you could think of is probably going to have some kind of trade-off. And depending on the situation, you might come up with a different answer than I happen to in this particular talk, but I'm at least walking you through, here's one way you can deal with this and sort of the good things and bad things about dealing with it that way. So it's not about necessarily always having that there's a right answer that you can arrive at, but it's more about thinking about how to do some of these things repeatedly because uh, again, that's not something that you would think about if you've only done it once. Right. And that's actually, a, that's a great way to learn. That's actually the way that humans learn most things as children is by watching people do the thing. And then you learn by watching people who have done it a lot. And then you maybe emulate their actions. And, and that's definitely the case with programming as well. There are live coding sessions that you'll find on the internet Uh, That's probably true with gaming, too, just by watching people who do it all the time every day. You pick up on some of the um, the techniques that they that they use. And maybe you might not know why you're doing what they do. But later on, you gain that additional context. So in a four hour, you know, uh, session, you can't go over all of like a, a ton of different examples. But by going over one example and kind of talking out how you think about it, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. And it's it's kind of funny. Of course, it takes much longer to write the talk than it does to actually give it. And <laughs> but it's kind of funny because I'm I'm trying to actually solve the problem right now. Like what is the thing that I want to build? And I have a fair amount of uh agency right now to say what my 
say what I want my system to do and then build a system that does that. So I've been going through this exercise over the past few days where uh, I'm continually downscoping and making more and more assumptions about, I'm, I'm stepping away from saying something that's building something that's really fully general uh, as much as I could imagine and saying like, well, okay, maybe it weren't, maybe, maybe we won't have full generality in this way, or maybe we won't have full generality in that way. Uh, Cause well, it's really hard to build something that's, that's really modular and really flexible and really extensible. And, um, and in particular, I think there's a lot of other things that, well, we'll, I'm still a couple weeks out from, from the conference as I'm, uh, recording this. So we'll see how much progress I'm able to make in the next couple of weeks. But in particular, I would like to get through some of the parts of the Python infrastructure that uh, are maybe more the domain of software engineers than data scientists, but in particular doing something like sticking a command line interface on it so that you can run it with uh, flags uh, from the command line instead of having your users have to go in and edit the edit files. So going through the exercise of of adding in those command line flags. Maybe if I'm feeling really fancy, I'll add a couple of unit tests just to show what that looks like. Ooh. Yeah. And so some of these other things that are not themselves making the model better necessarily, but they are making it much more usable for uh, the people who will be running the code and the people who will be maintaining the code in the future. That sounds really cool. Um... I assume that you'll find some way to see me while you're down here. Yeah, I'll totally swing by. I mean, I, I'll be just up the road, so I nice. think we can make this happen. All right, so um, maybe a couple episodes from now, we will be sitting across from each other on a table. That, that'll be like old times. That would be delightful. And then I guess the last thing I'll say, uh, let me just plug the conference again real quick. If you happen to be there, uh, it's called the Open Data Science Conference. It's in uh, San Francisco, the first week in november um and so yeah if you happen to be there uh swing on by we'll have a good time linear digressions is a creative commons endeavor which means you can share or use it any way you like just tell them we said hi to find out more about this or any other episode of linear digressions go to lineardigressions.com and if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at lineardigressions.com and katie at lineardigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at lindigressions. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.